When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. You can ask questions about why our netball team didn't so do so well at the Commonwealth Games. Third, really, well, third in a three-horse race, probably considered by most to be a bit of a failure. The All Blacks, well, they haven't been at their best, have they? The men's cricket team, well, they were well and truly cleaned out in England, even though the one-day side's doing okay in the West Indies. But one thing that is always rock-solid in this country are the achievements and the overachievements of our racing car drivers in motorsport. The sport is arguably in the best place it has been, going back to the times of the McLarens, the Denny Holmes, and that wonderful era in the 1960s and the 1970s. Over the weekend, the results continued. Shane Van Gisbergen, well, pretty much got both hands, hasn't he, on another Supercast Championship. And Scotty McLaughlin, ever impressive, finishing third in the Bomarito Automotive Group 500 between behind Joseph Newgarden and David Malakis. To talk motorsport, Mr Motorsport himself, David Turner joins us on the programme. David, good evening, welcome. Good evening, Mark. How are you this evening? Very good. Let's put that performance from Scott McLaughlin into context. Um, I, I guess we're so used to Scott, Dox, uh, Scott Dixon having won, what, 53-odd races over his career that if a New Zealand driver's not winning, maybe we think it's failure, but put this performance from Scotty uh, from Scotty McLaughlin in context? Well, I spoke with him yesterday and I spoke with him uh, on Friday as well. And the context, I guess, is that he now feels very comfortable in the IndyCar world. He's moved on from the supercar world. He is enjoying living in the States. He's embraced all of that. And, uh, and that's brought him a lot of confidence, I think, at the same time. And he, he's clearly enjoying what he does and just like any sport and i heard you talking about you know working on saturdays and rugby and things like that just before it's it's a similar thing if you don't enjoy it don't do it you know Mm. that was always a nicky louder phrase and mclaughlin he's enjoying it right now and the talent is rising from him you know this is only his second year in the indycar championship he's come away with multiple wins this year he's proving himself more importantly on the ovals as well very strong at texas not too bad at Iowa, strong at Indy, and then strong over the weekend on the last oval of the year. So he's he's got a long future in front of him, and he's with the, one of the best teams in the game, the Team Penske. You know, there's there's not better to be with than than that, and there's only a few other teams that you'd want to be with. So you know, I, th- I think the the future is very strong for him. He's got two very very strong teammates. So that's probably where the, the battle lines will be drawn ultimately is the race against your teammates. Mm. You talk about him being comfortable on the ovals. I think from a lot of people who are not familiar with motorsport, we look at street circuits, we look at the tracks that say the supercars race on, that Formula One race on, and we think surely they would be much harder in terms of racing, uh, in terms of what's required technically. 
but I sort of get the sense that oval racing is a lot more complex and a lot more complicated than it looks. Yeah, it is. It, it, it really is. And uh, it, it, I guess to the un, unknown, you don't appreciate it. And even when you witness it maybe the first time, you kind of go, uh, yeah, but it is in, in the variation of them. If you look at a track like Indianapolis, you know, 2.5 miles once round, it's really a giant rectangle rather than an oval. Uh, and then you look at where they were in Missouri on the weekend at, at Gateway, and that's just over, um, I think it's one and one-eighth of a mile or something, silly number like that. But it's it's a more, a short, what they refer to as a short oval rather than a super speedway. Um, and completely different discipline. And the nature of that oval is the turns one and two are completely different to three and four. And uh, you find that at most ovals is the fact that even though the the tracks may look like they're just a circle, if you like, um, the turns are actually all quite different and the car does different things uh, within those turns. And it's it's a very, very demanding aspect of the racing and I think that's a credit to IndyCar as well as the fact that to win an IndyCar championship like Dixon has and and whoever wins this year you have to succeed at all the disciplines within IndyCar so that's the permanent circuits the street courses the the super speedways and then the small smaller ovals Um, you can't you can't be weak at any one of those disciplines anymore. Maybe, you know, back in 2002 when Dixon started out in this game, you could afford to be maybe slightly weaker at one of those, but certainly now you can't. You know, we're going into the final two rounds of the championship and there's still, mathematically, there's still seven of them that are in the hunt. Now, I've been involved with IndyCar for 22 years now directly and this championship's gone to the wire every single year. And you know, Formula One can't say that. Uh, there's a lot of championships that can't say that. You know, obviously across the ditch at the moment in V8 Supercars, we're quite happy with the outcome of that because it looks like it'll go to the Giz. But IndyCar does this year on year, and I, I just think that that's a huge testament to the sport. Mm-hmm. Now, is the last race of IndyCars is that still double points? No, no. The only double points race now in the season, which I still I, personally I feel very strongly that it shouldn't be, is the Indy 500. And, and a great example of that actually is probably this year's 500, where if you look at someone like Dixon, who, you know, was odds on to win the race uh, and then, you know, made that error and ended up finishing 21st, that cost him a massive amount of points. And the fact that he's even in this championship battle now says something about mm. just how calculated and how good Dixon is because he's come back from being pretty much written off after, after Indy back in May to be, you know, third in the championship now and a very, very strong contender for what would be a record-breaking seventh title. So, you know, there's, um, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of the double points no matter where they are. It just kind of can sway a championship in the wrong direction when it's not, you know, really necessary. Maybe you could look at Marcus Ericsson, who did come out of Indy with the double points, and that's made him a championship contender across the whole year. So it can work both ways. It just depends which camp you're in, really. Now, Joseph Newgarden, who is a teammate of Scotty McLaughlin's, won the race over the weekend. I read read a really nice article where uh, Newgarden spoke very highly of Scotty McLaughlin. He says, look, we're really good mates. We do spend a lot of time off the track together, which is not easy because we are still mm-hmm. racing each other. We're still vying for the crown, uh, which is a testament to both these uh, fine race car drivers, a testament to both of their personalities. How difficult is it to have that friendship 
in a team environment? I mean, you've been around a lot of teams. We said in Formula One, there's not often a lot of love lost between the two drivers in a certain team. No, there's not. Um, actually, to sort of give some value to that, I remember back in May I spoke to um, Roman Grosjean at Indy, and it was almost exactly that question. And he said, in Formula One, you know, you would never go after a race weekend and go and have a beer with a fellow competitor. You just wouldn't do that. It was unheard of, and you seldom perhaps even talk to some of those competitors. And yet he said, you know, here in IndyCar, you know, everyone's doing that. You know, it's a family affair and all, all of those sorts of things. And it really is. It honestly is. But at the end of the day, um, and Joseph said it in the press conference yesterday after his race win, is the fact that it's a competitive sport and as big as competitors are quite often as teammates, and in this case they are Will Power and Scott McLaughlin. Um, but the number one priority, just as it is for the Ganassi team, is one of their cars must win this championship. Roger Penske be, will be expecting one of his three drivers, because they're all still in with a chance, whilst McLaughlin's is the hardest of them all. They are still all in with a chance to win the championship. Just as much as Chip Ganassi is going, well, I've got Dixon, Ericsson and Palau still there, and I expect one of them to win the championship. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a team game as well. And the bond that those teams have uh, with their team owners, particularly those two teams, is very, very strong. Like all three, um, of the, each of the drivers that I've just mentioned for each of their uh, respective car owners, they are very loyal. You know, obviously, there's issues with Alex Player at the moment and contracts and stuff like that, but the team fostering is very strong, but you still end up having to race your teammate. If you look at, back at Texas this year, you know, McLaughlin had that race pretty much won in New Garden, Bet him on the line, you know, and that, so and that would have made McLaughlin two for two for the championship, you know, at the championship chase at that stage of the season. So, um, I, I think it's great, you know, and we're seeing the same maybe with the Arrow McLaren team, where Pato Award has very publicly been saying that he wants um, Felix Rosenquist to stay with the team, and that's still an undecided thing. But there's synergy between a lot of those drivers. I think the connection between McLaughlin and Newgarden is also the fact that they're of similar age um, in a lot of those things. So they, they gel together quite well. But it's very hard. Dan, Dan Weldon was an incredibly close friend of Dixon's, you know, and you end up with a, a tragedy that cost yeah. Dan his life. Um, it's very hard to bounce back from when, and, or to compartmentize as a driver when your best mate ends up losing his life to the sport. So you've got to be very careful about how close you get as well because you just you just have to. Mm. Let's change it up and let's talk supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen um, produced a flawless display, won both supercar races at the Sandown Raceway, has extended his lead mm-hmm. in the championship. Um, is, is he just a, is he like Scotty McLaughlin of yesteryear? Is he just in a class of his own or why is he so good? I, th- I think he is a little bit at the moment, probably helped by the fact that McLaughlin's not there to give him a hard time. Um, but, you know, they've got good machinery underneath him. I'm not taking that away from, from him either. And, and he's, he isn't a bit of a class of his own, but he, he tends to adapt to no matter what he's he's driving. You know, we're going to see him here in the World Rally Championship event you know, in a month or so's time as well. So he's, he's a, it's a natural like that, but... Um, Again, singing McLaughlin's praises, the way he's taken to driving a single-seater after all those years in a touring car is phenomenal as well. So 
as you said in your intro, you know, there's great talent in motorsport in this country, and Van Gisbergen is just another mm. uh, another factor of that, you know. And uh, just as much as Andre Heimgartner, who's in the Supercar Championship as well, you know, Andre's a very talented driver as well. And it's just sometimes all the pieces align, uh, and you know, you go on and you create characters like Van Gisbergen, and um, it's a phenomenal thing, especially when they come from New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen's come out and said, look, having this lead in the championship and having the commanding lead, I mean, it would take a miracle for him to lose it now. It does take some pressure off him now heading into Bathurst. He can go in just a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, I actually think that that makes him incredibly dangerous to his fellow competitors at Bathurst because if he's relaxed, then he's just going to make them all look silly, really, at the end of the day. There should be no reason why he won't do that, you know, because if he's relaxed, the the atmosphere within the team will be relaxed and they'll get on with the job without the pressure maybe that they would normally have. Bathurst is still that sort of unique race where... Um, the, the pressure will still be there. It's a bit like an Indy 500, you know, the jewel and the crown events on the motorsport calendars. So it will still be there. And, of course, you've got your teammate to take into a consideration at, at Bathurst as well. So it's, you're not doing it all by yourself. So there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle. But it, it will make him very, very strong around there and, you know, probably goes in as a, a decent favourite for the race as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other news, David, that we might not be up that we might be up, up to play with? What? Well, I think the the big thing at the moment is the ripple effect that's happening with uh, McLaren, uh, and I use the word McLaren in general, um, and all of their drivers and, and the situations that they're in where you've got Alex Palau from um, Ganassi at the moment um, effectively going to court with Chip Ganassi over whether or not Alex is leaving the team to race with McLaren next year. The clarification in that is, is it the McLaren IndyCar team? Is it the McLaren Formula One team? It certainly isn't the McLaren Formula E team. I know that much. Um, so there's, there's issues there. Then you've got Daniel Ricciardo in, in the current McLaren Formula 1 team. Will he stay or will he go? Um, will he get paid out? If he gets paid out, it's around $25 million US. But then there's criteria on what he can and can't do. Um, I did the sums the other day, and you basically had over 10 drivers buying for about seven seats at the moment or six seats. So there's... It's interesting to see how that plays out. There's a lot of people that are locked into deals um, within Formula One and IndyCar particularly. Uh, It shows you how hard it is to get seats in in both those categories, particularly even IndyCar now, and the car count's higher than it's ever been. So it's uh, it's one that you watch with interest because the ripple effects from those uh, makes it that much harder for new blood to get into the sport. Or if someone like Ricardo gets you know, push to one side and Oscar Piastri comes in in his place, then you are breeding new blood into the sport. So, um, you know, again, with Palau, if he was to leave Ganassi's, then who gets the number 10 seat next year? And after last weekend, you'd have to say, if Chip was a smart guy, he'd try and sign up David Malukas, that's for sure, because there's talent in the making. There's absolutely no doubt about that. OK, David, look, we'll leave it there. But before we do let you go, um, how, how come you're doing some wonderful things uh, across different forms of social media, including YouTube? So just tell us a little bit about what you're doing and how people can catch up with what you're doing. Yeah, well, the, the YouTube, uh, uh, particularly, uh, it's a weekly show uh, called which goes under the banner. If you look on YouTube and search Race Control Magazine, you'll find it. It's called Racing World. 
Um, I do that every week. It's got a very strong focus towards IndyCar, but it does take into it's also got a tie to, you know, many New Zealanders in, in motorsport, whether they're in Formula E like Mitch Evans and Nick Cassidy or Supercar or wherever. I'm very passionate about that. And as you well know, I'm, you know, trustee of the Motorsport Academy here as well. So I kind of keep an eye on that, but it does have a strong tangent towards IndyCar. So uh, that's that's out every week on YouTube. And uh, that's a passion project of mine. And in between, just like you, trying to do a real job as well. So uh, we enjoy all the things we do for the love of the sports that we all uh, feel very passionate about. David Turner, lovely to have you on the program. Thank you. Uh, David Turner there, a motorsport, a motorsport expert talking about the Indy cars, talking about the supercars. It is 17 minutes after 8. Telephone number on the program is 0800 150 uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, Scotty McLaughlin, two of New Zealand's most underrated sportsmen, or are they? It's hard, isn't it? Because in motorsport, there are so many categories, but it's almost like we don't appreciate, truly give these drivers credit because they're not in Formula One. But Formula One's not about the best driver. Formula One's about politics. It's about who's got money and who can buy a drive. And I think it was a really good point that David made around the Indy cars. I mean, you've got to be good in the oval circuits, the street circuits, and those established racetracks that are not ovals. And once again, five drivers in contention with two races to go. Very rarely do you see that in Formula One. And I must admit, because we've got a New Zealand point of view, I've had one in Scott Dixon and now Scotty McLaughlin, I'm taking a lot more interest. And when you take a lot more interest in something, you start to learn more about it. You start to actually realise perhaps how ignorant you've been of certain sports in the past or certain categories within a sport 